You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Or on the high seas. The steamship Atlantica makes its way to Boston, but dark shadows trail the ship, staying just out of sight beneath the waves. Your fellow passengers seem unnaturally fixated, staring out with a silent, desperate longing. Your dreams have been plagued by eerie underwater nightmares, and now a passenger has been murdered. Suspicion, hidden loyalties, and devious strategy shall rule the day. Unfathomable puts you and your friends in command of a steamship, but, but not all can be trusted. While monstrous deep ones Dream forth from the crashing depths. Any player could secretly be a nefarious cultist or a horrifying hybrid deep one. Don't turn your back on anyone. It will take all of your cunning to save your ship from a watery grave. Battle swarming deep ones, uncover the traitors, and steer the Atlantica safely home in Unfathomable. Welcome to Tabletop Arcane. This is Justin, and I'm bringing you a review of the new Unfathomable board game, which is from Fantasy Flight Games. This is a $79 MSRP. Plays three to six players in two to four hours. First things first, this is realistically the reskin update of Battlestar Galactica, which was also put up by Fantasy Flight Games, but not tied to the Battlestar Galactica franchise anymore and is now tied to the Arkham Files universe. Also, like to note that this is a game that doesn't feature any of those original characters from the Arkham Final universe, and we actually have a whole new set of them, mainly because since most of their backgrounds are, have some mysterious or interesting or questionable motivations, uh, it's best that they aren't tied to standardized characters, and it kind of all takes place on a neutral setting. So, first impressions with this one. It has a wonderful box presence. It has a beautiful art piece of Dick on attacking the uh, ship, and a swarm of Deep Ones coming to take over the deck. It is a relatively larger box than, I will say, even Bowser Galactica, and the only real reason I can find for that is the uh, Father Dagon and Mother Hydra minis inside are a little bit on the large and chunky side, so they might have needed that extra space, but otherwise it's a little over oversized for what it is. The board is a nice big piece board. We do have dials that you have to build right into the board, which is very similar to the Bowser Galactica board. And in long term, knowing of how my Battlestar Galactica set turn out, this will cause a little bit of indentations or marks as the game ages for you. So not necessarily the greatest uh, impression going back to that system, but I see where they wanted to go with it. Now, most of the game board itself is relatively open space, so the art and the uh, first look on that is kind of a, uh, wow, there's a lot more space than, they, than needed in this, and they could have used some of it. Comparing it to the Bassard Galactica, the board spaces are also a little bit different as you don't have uh, a secondary ship to go to. Everything is done on the Atlantica, uh, opposed to the Galactica. And you can see what they did with the naming. Primary mechanics of this one are going to be that hidden teams slash traitor idea, where the human players are trying to complete the goal of getting the ship far enough to shore while maintaining four resource dials and the positive numbers. Likewise, there'll be two rounds of loyalty cards dealt out, so 
you may become a traitor at the beginning and one of the evil hybrids, or midway through the game you may get a hybrid card and have to switch teams mid-game. Now these are secret teams, so nobody really knows who the hybrid or hybrids are, depending on your player count. And the hybrids are just trying to end the game by dialing one of those uh, resources to zero. So overall, it's kind of a race against time and a race against resources. Uh, hybrids also have the opportunity to reveal themselves and gain some ability to attack and be attacked by the other players, but most of the time they are highly effective if they stay hidden. Or, when they do reveal, reveal at a very opportune time to trigger their uh, betrayal abilities, which are unique to each character that you play as. So let's talk about some of the good things. It is great to see that the Vassar Galactica gameplay is back and it is available in a regular price point and not something that is secondhand market or hundreds and hundreds of dollars because you're trying to get all the expansions that have been out of print for over a decade at this point. It's great to see that come back in and have this beloved game not fade into IP obscurity. Other great things is we have a whole new host of characters and that some of the rough edges around the Vassar Galactica version of it were reskinned and smoothed over with this modernization. It does some things really well. I love how there is that midpoint tilt on the game where at the very half, first half of the game, you may not even have a traitor amongst your mists or all of the traitors are in the group at the time. And then the second round of cards goes out and you can either stay human, flip, or, or in the event if you were already a, a hybrid and got a second hybrid card, recruit someone else to your team. So all of those things are great to see and they give a lot of attention in the game. The skill cards and abilities that you get are awesome. Uh, one of the things I really like is all the characters get a once per game feat, which are pretty much a super use of their standard ability and really makes that nice opportune time when it is a great time to trigger it, whether it is the perfect opportunities depending on your loyalty. The theme holds pretty strong throughout the game and I do appreciate it for that. There is some things that fall a little bit on the wayside which I will talk about in our opportunities but overall mystery of the deep ones and the mystery if you are actually connected to them and called to the sea in Father Dagon's bidding is very thematic for the Arkham universe so it was a natural way to connect that mechanic to the Arkham universe. So some of the opportunities for Unfathomable fall into the fact that it is mainly a reskin of the Battlestar Galactica game and tried to keep most of the core mechanics available so that there's very little that the game actually invents for its own sake. Now one part of that is there is two tracks now. One is your travel track which was the old jump track for Battlestar Galactica where after moving that token to the end space of the track the captain gets to draw two cards and picks how far the ship has gone with some penalties. And that's how the humans can start winning the game. And you repeat that track several times throughout the game and you get to victory. Now normally in Battlestar Galactic when you jumped, you also were able to get rid of all the attacking Cylons and the base star and all the bad stuff that was happening to the Galactica. And instead of having it thematically fall under the traveling, there is a ritual in the 
person who was murdered in the story was controlling the ritual, keeping the Deep Ones and Father Dagon and Mother Hydra at bay. And since that is now no longer the case, there is someone trying to pick up the piece of the ritual and they can do a greater banishment with a different track as that will fill up just like the travel track. And if you're caught outside of the boat, you may be waking up in sick bay. But likewise, Mother Hydra and Father Dagon will be left behind as well as any deep ones that are either in the water or on the decks of the boat. The theme kind of breaks down there. There's a couple other spots that it feels like it was skinned over and it definitely was. Unfathomable also falls into a little bit of the same problems that Bowser Galactica had. Depending on your group, you may have a more easy side to win as the humans or easier side to win as the deep ones, and that mostly depends upon your social grouping. Now, they do offer some options in the rulebook to adjust the difficulty and make some changes. Likewise, there is some starting guidelines to how to make the game run a little bit smoother for that first round to make sure everybody understands the mechanics before you start dealing with loyalties or questionable loyalties of that. Random luck is random luck, so seeing how the deep ones and things like that behave is its own uh, issues. One other issue we did have with it is some of the icons are a little bit more difficult to decipher because of how tiny they are on some of the cards. Uh, for example, the Mythos cards have an activation of Mother Hydra, Father Dagon, or Deep Ones on it. Without truly looking really close, the Mother Hydra and Father Dagon icons could look similar to someone. Uh, the travel tracks do look distinctive enough that we didn't have any issues with those, but we did occasionally mix up which was Father Dagon and which was Mother Hydra. Likewise, the minis are not marked, and while you have an image of them on the rulebook of which one's which, it took us a little bit to, like, yes, that one's Father Dagon, and yes, that one's Mother Hydra. It would have been nice to see some sort of mark on the bottom of the minis or something of that nature so that we could easily identify them without having to refer to the rulebook. That all being said, your mileage may vary with Unfathomable. It may be a game that your group has been looking for if you're into th your social deduction games, like Dead of Winter. It's a little bit more cutthroat than Dead of Winter is because there definitely is someone as a traitor. It's not a mystery. And you are trying to survive, but those issues keep coming up. If you're a group that's looking for more of a pure co-op experience or a pure open competitive experience, Unfathomable may not be the game for you at that point too. Those hidden traitor or hidden team games can be very difficult depending on your group and social dynamics. So, Word of caution on that one. Likewise, the $79 price tag is a little steep, in my opinion, for this game, as it doesn't do anything new or original in the space and really just allows us to buy it at a MSRP price opposed to second mar secondary markets. I would have expected this game to come closer to that $60 price point, but I fear it's the use of the Deep Ones plastics and Mother Hydra and Father Dagon figures that may have... Uh, allowed them to justify a higher price tag for it. That's been Tabletop Arcanum's review of Unfathomable. If you like our reviews, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Leave, Drop us a line, we'd love to hear you. You can find us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As always, thank you for listening, and happy gaming. Tabletop Arcanum produced by Justin Taylor. This episode is hosted by Justin Taylor. Mixing and editing by Richard Geese. Original theme by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. Check the description for this episode's featured background music. 
You can follow us on most social media platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow, and leave us a review if you would. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.